So we have talked about uh, Palm Sunday and uh, Christ riding into Jerusalem. He is crucified. He's crucified on Friday. And the first day of the week, Sunday, is when he rises from the dead. There were a number of people who had attended Christ uh, during his ministry. He was he was often obviously with his apostles, his um, his closest associates. But there were also others that walked with him and followed his ministry, including uh, a group of women that attended to him and even provided for him. The scripture tells us out of uh, out of their means. So there were some women who had means, some measure of wealth in their household. And so you have the apostles, you have others who are uh, following Christ. But then you have this, this group of women who also followed him. And they followed him because of what he had done for them. They contributed financially to his ministry. They were with him often because of the fact that he had delivered them, he had healed them. If you go over to Luke chapter 8, if you look with me at Luke, uh, the 8th chapter, it tells us about what is, what is going on here in regard to this, this ministry. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, that is Jesus, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So these are uh, the twelve disciples were with him. But here it tells us there were more that were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits. So there were some women, not just one woman, according to the text, who had had demons cast out of them, healed. They were deeply troubled. And so the Lord comes and he ministers to them, men and women alike. In this case here in our, in our text here, it's, it's more than one woman being he healed from evil spirits. By the way, uh, the devil is uh, still at work today. We don't, uh, we don't believe in these uh, kind of exorcisms that are just based upon ritual. But there are people who are oppressed and some who are possessed by the enemy, and it is, it is a dark place to be in. There are people who are ruled by the wicked one. Evidently, that's the case with some of these women here. Some of them did not just have evil spirits that were bothering them, but infirmities, that, that is, sicknesses. We think of um, Peter's mother-in-law. The Lord healed her from a sickness, and after she was healed, she got up and began to serve the Lord in his disciples. But there was this particular woman, the, the text here mentions, that was 
healed. It's interesting. It doesn't just say that the, the demons were cast out or that she was simply delivered, but there was a healing from these evil spirits. It says, Mary called Magdalene. And by the way, we don't know a lot about her. The only texts that we have that actually give us any real information about her are this text and a text in John that we're going to look at. She's mentioned elsewhere as well, but as far as information goes, these are the texts. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Evidently, this, this woman was tormented by evil spirits. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly how many there were. How would, the, how would the writer know that? Because Jesus knew that. Jesus knew exactly how many evil spirits were uh, tormenting her. And uh, sometimes when we think about casting out a demon, we think about just, just perhaps one. But in her case, there was one, and then there was two, and then there was three, all the way up to seven. And if we think of some ragged kind of woman in the streets, perhaps homeless, disheveled. That's evidently not the picture we have in the text because she's a woman of means. She has money, which tells us that looks can be deceiving. The enemy doesn't just torment homeless people, and he doesn't just uh, torment people with uh, little means, but he also torments rich, poor, Middle income alike, he, he torments people. And this poor woman was in darkness. She was in it deep. Bound by the wicked one, bound in her sin. This was a, this was a taste of hell. Some people say, well, I've heard people say, well, I'm in hell right now. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. There is a real hell, regardless of what the Pope declares, even in secret. By the way, if there is no hell, what did Jesus die for? What do we need to be saved from? This whole teaching of, of universalism and we just all we all just make it in or perhaps some of us are just annihilated, annihilated and our souls just kind of disappear. I can't think of a more demonic teaching. And this woman was tormented in the world and being in the world apart from Christ, listen, it is not it might be fun for a season. But it does not bring happiness. It does not bring joy. People bound. She was bound. As Paul would say, without God and without hope in this world. If she were alive today, she might have had a really nice home. She's often associated as, as a prostitute. We have, we have no clue if Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. 
We don't know. The facade of it all. Nice house, nice car. And empty. And Jesus comes along and he must have heard a heart cry because nobody is going to be delivered without the authority of Christ Jesus. And when the Lord comes and does something, he does it with exceedingly great power. And he brings such sweet deliverance. He is gentle and he is kind and he is powerful. And so when he delivers this woman, she is, she is set free. And she, listen, she is forever in love. She is forever in love. She loves the Lord. And can you imagine going from the depths of where she was at to the place of being completely set free by the Lord? This is, um, this is a woman in love. There's no man on earth that can fill this kind of void in somebody's heart. There's only one man, and that is, uh, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he sets a, a man or a woman free, they are, listen, they are forever changed. They're forever changed. They're forever in love. Forever. It's not like, well, I just, you know, I decided uh, to follow Christ for right now. No, no, this is, this, is a, this is a personal experience. Yesterday I had two Jehovah Witnesses come to our door, two ladies. And I was talking to them, and they, they were talking about Christ being the Son of God. And I said, but you don't, you don't believe in the Trinity. You don't believe in the Son of God as the Bible declares him to be the Son of God. And we talked about not only Jesus praying to his Father, but we talked about people praying to Jesus. That shows that he is more than just a regular prophet or man or even a lower level Son of God, but he is the Son of God. And I, I looked at these two younger girls and I said to them, we're on our porch. I said, listen, I know him by experience. I not only have the objective word of God that we can look at, we can talk about these different verses, but he has, he's changed me. He has saved me. He has delivered me. I'm forever in his debt, forever indebted to the Lord. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. That's how she feels. She, she, she more than just likes the Lord. She loves him. She's, uh, she's crazy for Jesus. She's crazy about Jesus. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1.8 says, even though you have not seen him, speaking about us, we have not we have not been able to witness the physical Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 says, even though you have not seen him, you, you love him. You love him. So this is, a, this is a woman who is madly in love with the Lord because he has delivered her from the darkness, has 
has transferred her into the kingdom of, of Christ. She'll never be the same again. And then she watches him die. And she's one of, of, of the women, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and another Mary, as they're, they're standing there at a distance and they're watching the Lord die. Can you imagine what's going through her mind? This is the Lord who delivered me. I, I, I remember what that man did on, that man on the cross, what he did for my life. I remember where I was, and he brought me out of that. That's salvation. Keith Green once said, you know what a Christian is? He said, I'll tell you what a Christian is. It's somebody who's bananas for Jesus. That was her. She's bananas about Jesus. And she's watching him die. And she's standing there. And there's, there's got to be this helpless feeling. He, he's changed her world. Everything has changed because of him. Now she's standing there helpless. She can't do anything for the, for the man who saved her, delivered her from the domain of darkness. That's why, by the way, as Corey Tenboom says, there is no pit so deep that Christ is not deeper still. She's, she's watching him, and then as he dies, he is then buried in this, um, this tomb that is cut out of the rock. And she wants to be with him one last time. And so she goes to the tomb on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, and it's empty. She, at this point, has not peered into the tomb yet, but she sees the stone has been rolled away. It's exactly what she thinks in her mind. She thinks, uh-oh, where's the Lord? Her, her mind is not, uh, her not, her mind isn't like, you know, <laughs> Christ the Lord is risen today. <laughs> that is not what she's thinking. In fact, some, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes with Easter Sunday, and we rightly should, we get all pumped up about the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, and that's a that's a good thing to do. But listen, for 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 the Christian, every day, every Sunday is Resurrection Day. Every day. Every Sunday. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. It's not because the Sabbath changed. We celebrate on Sunday. Why do we celebrate? Why have Christians for 2,000 years celebrated on Sunday? One reason alone, because Christ the Lord is risen today. So she goes to the tomb. Why don't you follow with me along John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. John 20, verse 1. 
and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John. So she goes back to Peter and John and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. See, that's her mindset. Where's the Lord? Where's the Lord? That's what she's thinking. i got to go back and get Peter and John. Something happened. His, his body's gone. Verse 2, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and as they were going toward the tomb, both of them were running together. Don't you love this? John is writing this, by the way. He's talking about himself here. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I win. That's what he's saying. I won. We raced. Old Peter. Old Peter. Lay off the Krispy Kreme. I love it. In the third person, the other disciple. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. One commentator says, in a flash, John, John realized John saw it all in a second. This is when John believed. Up until this point, they didn't get it. And, and it seems that the, the, the assumption here is Peter hasn't yet quite gotten it. But John gets it in a moment. Boom. He's, he's risen. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, verse 9, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back. To their homes. But here's what happens with Mary. Notice what, what Mary's doing. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. See, at this point, she hasn't looked into the tomb yet. Now she does. And by the way, in the, in the Greek, weeping here is a, a weeping of pain. It's a weeping of grief. She's in pain. You ever weep out of pain? She is. That's exactly what's going on here. She is weeping out of pain. She's weeping. She wept. Verse 11, verse 12, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. He said to her, woman, why are you? Here it is again. Weeping. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. That's what she's thinking. Somebody, somebody came and got his body. Someone has taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Now Jesus talks about what she's doing. He says, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? You see it over and over again. Weeping, wept, weeping, weeping. She is weeping. You ever weep over Jesus? It's a good thing to do. I mean, there, there's a, there are times in our lives where we just come and we just we see the love of Christ, we see the beauty of Christ, we see the comfort of Christ, and it's 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 tears. It's 
It's emotion, it's joy in Christ, it's weeping over the beauty of Christ and over his salvation. She could say, she could say something along the lines of what Charles Wesley would write hundreds and hundreds of years later. She could say something like this, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's what she could say. She's weeping in pain. Look with me in Acts chapter 9. Let's just look at a couple texts here about weeping. Acts chapter 9, verse 39. Acts chapter 9, verse 39. Same word here used. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows, here it is, all the widows stood beside him weeping. All the widows stood beside him weeping. Why are they weeping? Their friend is dead. And showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Dorcas, well, what a name, huh? Okay, the kids might like that one. We'll move on here. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, another text about weeping. Luke chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 21. I love this text. This is, uh, this is Jesus talking about something that we, we often don't associate, it, associate with him. He says, Blessed are you, verse 21 of Luke 6, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Here it is. Blessed are you who weep now. Those of you who are weeping in pain and grief. Here it is, for you shall laugh. Think Jesus laughed? I do. For you shall laugh. Okay, so this is what Mary is doing. She is weeping in pain. She is weeping in grief. She says to the Lord, she does not recognize him. It says, whom are you seeking? That's what Jesus says, verse 15 of John 20. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. By the way, this shows that she's a woman of means. How could she do this? How could she rebury him? She must have money. So here in the midst of her tears, she's crying. There's the Lord. He says, whom are you seeking? She thinks he's the gardener there. And she says, uh, I'm seeking the Lord. She doesn't even recognize she's talking to him. This is this is going to be better than this is going to be better than getting to bury him again. Way better. She's saying her goodbyes. She wants to say her goodbyes. And in the moment, in in a twinkling of an eye, she sees it. She sees him because he calls her name. He says this. Jesus said to her. Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. In the moment, and in the twinkling of an eye, she saw who he was. This is the Lord. This is the Lord that delivered me. This is the Lord that delivered me from my sin. This is the Lord that delivered me from the darkness. And in 
a split second. As soon as he calls her name, she sees it. She sees him. Folks, that's why we're here today. We are here celebrating the risen Christ. And each one of us, the risen Lord, if you know him, he has called your name. Name by name by name by name he's called. And it isn't until he calls us by our name that we actually get to see him for who he is. Oh, we might talk to him, but we don't recognize him. But as soon as he says, Jacob, Peter, Mary, John, your name, everything changes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture where we see your power, your love, your goodness. Lord, I pray that we would see you. I, I ask you if there's one here who has not heard you. Maybe today they're hearing you call them by name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you've come into this room. You've known all about Jesus. You've heard his name before. But like Mary, you have not heard him call you by name. And today that's what you sense him doing. He's calling you. He's using your name. And you'd like to respond to that in faith. If that's you for the first time, first time in your life, would you raise your hand and say, I'd like to receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Is there one person here? One person. Anyone else? Anyone else? The Lord is calling your name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this one. And I pray, oh God, that you would seal what you're starting right now. And that this love relationship that Mary had with Jesus for the rest of her life, that that would continue in this person's life. As they reach out to you by faith, we pray this for your sake alone. Amen. And amen.